You're listening to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We hope this message brings you encouragement and helps to build your faith in Jesus. We're glad you're here to listen to this message from Pastor Paul. People who love their church get on their knees and pray for it. That's where we find ourselves in this letter from the Apostle Paul to the Ephesians. He loves those people and he can't be with them. Paul is in Rome. They're in Ephesus, separated about 800 miles. And it was because he's in prison. He loves and serves the Lord. That's why he's in prison. I've not been there. I'd love to go there. It's on my bucket list to go there. Not prison, Rome. And from what I've been told by those who have actually visited what is supposed to be Paul's jail cell, it's basically a hole in the ground. There's no bathroom. There's barely any light. It's cold. It's dark. It's, it's damp. It's dirty. Paul's, in a, in a way, it's a miracle that he's even alive. He has gone through so much in his love for Jesus, and he's praying. He's praying for the church. He's praying for the people. He's praying for the forward progress of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so as we get to today's reading, it's actually a prayer. It's a prayer of Paul in prison that he's writing and sending to his friends at the church in Ephesus. And in fact, most of this letter involves prayer. About half of the letter to the Ephesians is prayer. Prayers are woven all throughout this book. And the message is there's no such thing as a faithful Christian church without praying Christian people. It's prayer that maintains and sustains the health, growth, and life of a church. So Paul is praying all the time for his church, and ultimately we want to look at what he prays for his church and learn about prayer through that. And we're going to see what prayer is all about. And the first thing we discover is that prayer is relational. Here's how he starts the lesson for us today. It's in Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to begin at verse 14. He writes, For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. So two things. There's a family and there's a father. The family is the church. You need to understand this. We're a family. What happens sometimes, especially in the Western world, is that the church is viewed as little more than a place for religious goods and services. So people who treat the church like that treat it as a business. And if that's the case, then who are the attendees? They are the consumers, the customer, the critics, the complainers. We're not a business. We're a family. Now, don't get me wrong. Family has expenses. Family has a business side to it, and we certainly want to be good stewards. But how many of you, I mean, think about it. How many of you pray for your grocery store every day? Lord, thank you for the grocery store. I love the grocery store. I pray for all the fruits and vegetables. And and Lord, I, I pray for the staff that they will love one another, that they will work long and hard, and that they'll be on a unified mission to bring us all tasty, good food. Nobody does that. You don't pray for your grocery store. It's a business. That's not the church. We're a family. You pray for your family. 
You pray for those who you love. So who do you pray for? Your spouse, your kids, your mom, your dad, your brothers, your sisters, your cousins, your friends, all the people that you love because they're family to us. Church is family. God's people are family. He's praying for the family. What an indication for us to be doing. Be praying for the family. The whole family. Be praying for more people to join the family. Not just this one, but the family of God. Pray for the strength, health, and well-being of this church. And I can tell you this. If you pray for the church, you see the church as a family. If you don't pray for the church, you see the church as a business. And what happens in a consumer relationship, you're always trying to get the most by giving the least. That's a business. Families not like that. Families where you give generously so that all in the family can be blessed. He says that this family is in heaven and on earth. So some of our brothers and sisters are already in the presence of the Lord. So part of the family is is up with the Lord and part of the family is down here. It's us on earth together. But there's going to be this day that there will be this tremendous, great banquet, this feast, this celebration, a family reunion in the kingdom of God where all God's children will be together forever. So the church is a family, and it's all held together by the Father. Now, you're going to see Paul mention next the Holy Spirit and Jesus in connection with this prayer as well. So the whole Trinity is involved in prayer. Because our God is a God who speaks and a God who listens, we are made in the image and likeness of God to speak to Him in prayer and to listen to Him through Scripture. That's why we pray. It's why trees don't pray. They don't bear the image and likeness of God. It's why animals don't pray. They don't bear the image and likeness of God. They're not made in the image of the triune God that enables them to communicate with one another and with God as we do. And when it comes to prayer... We pray to the Father, through the Son, by the Holy Spirit. Let me explain this. The Holy Spirit lives in the children of God. The Holy Spirit brings new life. The Holy Spirit, He brings the love of Jesus to you and the forgiveness of sins. So Jesus is the second member of the Trinity. He came into human history, took on human flesh. He lived without sin. He dies in our place for our sin. He rose as our Savior. He's ascended back into heaven, and the Bible says He is our mediator. He takes away our sin, reconciles us in our relationship to God. So God is in us through the Holy Spirit. God is mediating for us through Jesus, connecting us to the Father. So when we pray, we pray by the power of the Holy Spirit through Jesus to the Father. And yes, you can address all three of them in your prayer because they're all three God. Paul talks about family, and then he talks about the Father. Now, let me tell you this. The most important thing I will ever be able to tell you about prayer. The most important thing about prayer, God's 
your father. If you understand that God is your father, then prayer becomes something that's easy. It makes a lot of sense. If you don't understand that God is your father, then prayer is difficult, complicated, much more than it should be. Well, let me see if I can illustrate it this way. God, in his grace, allowed me to become a dad. And as soon as the girls were born, the whole world looked different to me. I can still remember holding my firstborn daughter and thinking, wow, I'm a dad. And I always wanted to be a dad. I got to be the dad of a little girl and then two little girls. That taught me more about God, I think, than any other experience in my life, being a dad. Oh, God is someone who loves like a dad? I know what that feels like. God is someone who's committed to his kids like a dad is? Whoa, if that's true, that's pretty amazing because I know how much I love my kids. God's a father. And when we pray, we're praying, we're talking to our dad. So don't focus so much on how to pray. Just get to know your father. If we get to know our dad, then talking to him becomes pretty easy. God is a father who loves his kids. And this is a revolutionary concept in faith. You read the Old Testament, only about a dozen times is God referred to as a father, and every time it's as a father over a nation, not over an individual. And along comes Jesus, and he changes everything. So some 60 times in the four Gospels, Jesus refers to God as his father, very personal language. And in so doing, as a result, we hear him pray to God as dad or daddy in Aramaic. And what's more, he says that you and I can pray that way too. So if you want to understand prayer, don't go find the most religious, devout person. Now, you want to know about prayer? Look at a kid who loves his dad and the dad loves them and see how they interact and communicate. That's a better example and teaching of prayer than anything else I can think of. Jesus, when, when he was asked, teach us to pray. Remember how he started? He says, pray this way, our what? Father. So what the Apostle Paul is doing is simply echoing the Lord Jesus, reminding us that we have a father. Now, for some of you, this is going to be a struggle because you had a bad dad, tons of father wounds. And if that's the case for you, then don't take this language about a father and project it all onto God. Start with God and what the Bible reveals about him and then judge your earthly father by your heavenly father. You see, there's no automatic correlation between your earthly father and your heavenly father because we've all got a great dad more than that, we've got a perfect dad who loves us unconditionally. He's our heavenly father. And he adopts you into his family. So you are his son, his daughter. His heart is always open. His ear always attentive. His arms always stretched out.
once we understand that, you know what we'll do? We'll run to him and talk to him. So the key to prayer, the most important thing I can tell you about prayer is don't focus on prayer, focus on the Father. Once you get to know the Father, prayer then becomes pretty easy. In addition, Paul goes on to say that prayer is asking. And he's going to make a request. So it's okay to make requests of God. Elsewhere, Paul says, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Here's how he prays for the Ephesians. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Here's what you need to know. God is independent. He doesn't need anyone or anything. You, I, are dependent. We need God for everything. God doesn't need you. God wants you and loves you. That's far better. And here Paul is praying that the church would know of the power of the Holy Spirit that's at work in them and through them. And then he says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, how many of you, maybe you heard this as a kid, hey, you need to accept Jesus into your heart. Have you ever heard that? One time in the Bible it said, it's right here. But now someone might come along and say, okay, well, I'm confused. I thought those to whom Paul was writing, they were already Christians. Why is he asking them to invite Jesus in? Why is he asking them to have Christ dwell in their hearts? Well, see what he's praying is that the people don't understand that Jesus doesn't just want to come into their life temporarily or just when we think we need him. He doesn't want to just check in with you for a couple of hours and then move on. He doesn't want you to live your life independently, separated from him. And then you pray, oh, Jesus, I've made a mess of my life. Come in and help me clean up this mess. Will you come and, and stay a day or, or two and then move on so I can get on with my life? What Paul is saying is that Christ dwells in us. Jesus dwells in us through the person, presence, and power of the Holy Spirit, and that God wants our life to be his home. Jesus wants to move into your life, and when he does that, he's going to begin working on every aspect of it. Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, when he dwells, when he rests, when he resides in the center of your being, he will begin a renovation project on your whole life. Third, Prayer is experiencing God's love. Here's what he continues with. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all God's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. He's talking about the power of God's love in his people. And what he's saying is there's a place where it goes beyond knowledge, where you have to accept it, experience it, and enjoy the love of God. I've been married 
to Lori what will be 38 years this summer. And I knew when we first got married that she loved me. But I know she loves me still because I get to experience it over and over and over. God wants you to experience his love. It's a love that surpasses knowledge. Now, that doesn't mean that it's contrary to the truth. It means that the love of God is exploding in the heart of every one of his children. Do you know the love of God in Christ? If you do, then you're yearning for more of it, to feel it, to know it, to enjoy it. So Jesus loves you. When I tell you that, how does that sound? Do you doubt it because you're suffering? Do you disbelieve it because you're sinning? Do you disregard it because it it sounds trite? You know, it's the kid's song, Jesus loves me. Or do you disbelieve it because you're too busy? I implore you, receive it. There is no one who loves you more than Jesus, and there's nothing more important than knowing Jesus loves you. It becomes, as Paul says, the root that nourishes your whole life. And then the Holy Spirit wants you to be filled with the fullness of God's love that you may know how wide and long and high and deep is His love for you. Paul said elsewhere that God demonstrates His love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see what Paul does with the whole Bible does, it connects the love of God to the cross of Jesus. And the love of God has never been seen more clearly on earth than in the sacrifice of Jesus to make enemies friends, to adopt wayward kids into the family of God so that they know they've got a father. How wide And long and high and deep is the love of God, and it culminates at the cross of Jesus. Take just those four descriptors. How wide, how long, how high, how deep. And it forms the cross. Finally, prayer is expecting. God is going to hear, and God is going to answer. Now to him who is able to, now notice these next three words, do immeasurably more. So when you pray, you pray expecting. Whatever you can ask for, God can do immeasurably more. Whatever you can think of, God can do immeasurably more. Not just more, immeasurably more. This is an invitation to ask. This is an invitation to ask because the one who can do immeasurably more is your dad. And isn't it amazing to think that God can do amazingly more, Paul says, than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. And then to know that he's our dad. That he adopts us, adores us, he loves his kids, and he invites them to ask. It seems like we should be asking then, right? 
We should be asking and expecting that our God hears and our God, our dad, answers. Now, let me say a little bit more about God answering prayers. Because it doesn't mean we're always going to get what we want. Sometimes it does. Sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes his answer is no. And that's what really stretches faith because it's so hard when we don't get what we ask for. Can you still trust him in the midst of that? That's what it's all about. Believing that he knows what's best and he still has you in his hands. So sometimes God's answer is yes. Sometimes it's no. Sometimes it's not yet or or later. But there's always, always an answer given. And let me add this. God doesn't want to just do things for you. He wants to do things in you. The power of God unleashed through the Holy Spirit isn't just God at work in the world. It's God at work in you. And if you're in Christ, you're going to be both changed and changing. If you are in Christ, you'll constantly be changing. Your thinking will change. Your desires will change. Your habits will change because God is at work in you. What is it that he's trying to do in you right now? What is it that he's trying to work on? Change, empower, make new. I don't know what that is for you, but you do. And I want you to know that the change is possible because the Spirit is powerful. And I hope that you feel the tremendous support, encouragement that you get from hearing that. Jesus loves you. The Holy Spirit is in you. And God's your dad. He's listening. Talk to him. And know that you'll never be alone. You'll never have to do it on your own. I'll conclude as Paul does in this section. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, you are such a good God. If we really just stop and Realize all that you have done, all that you've accomplished in Jesus Christ on the cross for us and for our salvation. That our faith then is not misplaced. Our trust is not in someone or something that's going to let us down. Now, we may not get everything that we've always wanted. But Lord, that's where our faith and trust comes to still believe You've got us. You know every situation that we're involved in. We pray to you. We cry out to you. Sometimes you'll get us around the problem. Sometimes you'll make that problem leave altogether. Maybe most times it feels that we still have to go through the problem. But help us to know you're there. You're taking us by the hand. You'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. That's a promise. And how incredible it is to think 
we've got a God who's our Father. That speaks of a personal, intimate relationship. You're our dad. So let us come to you. Let us talk to you. We want that for our lives. We want that for our church. We want that for everybody who's listening. We want that for all of our churches. We want that for our nation. We want to be led by you, Lord. And we ask all of this in the name of the one who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, our website, bhprez.org, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on all our latest content.